The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. All right. Remain standing. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Luke. Glory to God, Luke chapter 10. Uh, notes are being passed out, and while those notes are being passed out, I want you to get a copy of one of these KC guides today, and just hold on to that. We'll make reference to it here in just a moment. Wonderful job, choir. Come on, put your hands together for them one more time. <laughs> Continuing in a series called 2020 Vision, I'm preaching a special message entitled Commission, from Luke chapter 10, and I am excited about the word this morning. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1, reading from the New King James. There is uh, some textual difference if you're reading the, uh, a newer version, meaning the New International Version or more recent, and uh, you'll notice that it says 72 in those versions as opposed to 70, uh, but we'll, we'll tell you about that as we move along. Luke chapter 10. Verse 1. You ready? Here we go. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is truly great. I want you to read that with me in the New King James if you have that version. It's, if you don't, it's on the screen. The harvest is truly great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hallelujah. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. Greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things, as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. And whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. And heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near you, verse 12. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who receives, who he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Verse 17. And the 70 return with joy. So they go out and they, they come back. And the 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on 
serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, who the Father is, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal it. Verse 23, and he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and hear what you hear and have not heard it. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for what you did in the first service, what you've done now in the second, as we've been worshiping you. And now as we break open your word, we know for certain that heaven and earth will pass away. But your word will endure, will remain forever. You stand over your word to see it perform. Signs and wonders follow the preaching of your word. Come and have your will and have your way. If you have the freedom once again to pray in your heavenly language, come on, just pray. If not, then just ask God to speak to you. Come on, just pray for a moment. Come on, pray in the spirit for a moment. Hallelujah. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do and all of God's people said, amen and amen. In reading this text, there's two things in the passage that, that gripped my heart. Two things that, that, that speak very loud and clear to us. The two things I believe that every Christian wants to do. That's please God and overcome the devil or overcome the evil. How many of you want to please God? Want to please God? And how many of you want to overcome evil? Of course, we're just enforcing what Jesus has already purchased for us. Amen? And in this text, Jesus appoints and sends out his disciples to go on a missionary journey, to go before his face into the cities that he would soon go to. And so they're forerunners. And they prepared these places for him to enter into and bring his kingdom. And they return, and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. It's, they've pleased God by what they've done, and, and they've seen the power of darkness diminished. I so long to see the power of darkness diminished in our community. I so long to see the power of darkness diminished in the borough, in the state, in, the, in our nation. And I believe everybody that loves God would say the same thing. The text unlocks some things for us, this commissioning of workers takes place. Now, Jesus had many disciples, hundreds of people that followed him. Even 500 people saw him ascend when he ascended. And, and he handpicked these 12 disciples. In chapter 6 of the book of Luke, and you can see it in other places in the Synoptic Gospels, you see how he picks his disciples, which is a result of prayer. But in Luke 6, he picks 12 men, and they become the 12 Disciples are 12 apostles, except for one Judas, who was replaced, according to the scripture. 
And it says in Mark chapter 3 and 14, he picked them, chose them for this purpose, that he might be with them and that he might send them out to preach. Mark 3 verse 14. So he picks them, he selects them. Why? So that he would be with them and so that he would send them out. And what's fascinating to me is in Luke 9, he sends out six teams. He takes the 12, he puts them in teams of two, and he sends them out. So two divided into 12 is six. And they go out, this is Luke 9, you can go look at this, and the result of their, their missionary journey, the result of them going out of the highways and byways, is that the devil took a mighty blow. So much so that Herod, the psychopath, heard about what was happening. I mean, there was such a move of the Spirit of God that it was even heard in political halls. Listen, I believe that the same thing can happen in our nation. I believe the same thing can happen. That God raises up a mighty army, begins to demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere that they go. We see the power of darkness diminished, people being set free, people being healed, people being delivered, so much so that, that people hear about it in Washington and get saved, sanctified, filled with the Spirit. Can you say amen? Washington's not going to bring revival. The church of the living God needs to wake up. Amen. Asleep in the arms of the enemy, the church has been. But I believe there's a mighty wake-up that's taking place. And so in Luke 9, they go out. And, and Luke 7, it says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed. He's like, wow, amazed. But now what we see is this, this, this multiplication. There's this commissioning of all these leaders. It's not just two teams. Uh, it's not just six teams of two. Now what we see is we see 36 teams. You say, why, is it, why does it say 70 in the New King James and 72 in the NIV? Because the, the, through textual criticism, it points to really that there's probably 72. And the whole thing ties back really to, uh, to the book of Numbers and Moses. When Moses selected leaders, there were 70 that came, and the spirit that was upon Moses, he placed upon them that they would judge things. They became the, the small group leaders, if you could think about it that way. But there was two that prophesied also that were not there. They were outside the camp. And it's, it's, it's suggested that they were just didn't hear get the invitation. They didn't get the email or the text. So they weren't a part of it. But how many of you know they were prophesying, and they were included? Here's 72. And so they go out, and this power of God is released so awesome through them that when they return, Jesus says, I saw, he's rejoicing. And I, I, I wonder what that looks like. To rejoice is to spin like a top. So Jesus is spinning like a top. He's rejoicing, and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Some say that that's a reference to Isaiah 14, the fall of Lucifer becoming then Satan. But... In the context of what we're reading, that's not what that's saying. In the context of what we're reading is saying God's kingdom was released in such a way that the power of evil was pushed back. Can that happen here? It is happening. And it can happen to a greater degree. Can you say amen? So he commissions these 72. And the need was great. Everybody say the need was great. Now, the problem here in Alaska, the problem in the United States of America, the problem in the nations of the earth is not that people don't want Christ. It's not that there's not a huge 
a deluge, multitudes of people wanting to come to Christ. There are, whether they realize it or not. Everybody wants to be saved, whether they know it or not. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for Christ. The problem is that there's no workers, or few workers or workers are few. I don't know if you've ever done any farming. I've done some farming. And, and as I've done some farming, I used to work with a combine. I didn't drive it. I was too young back then. But I remember watching a combine work. I remember watching them harvest potatoes. You ever dug up potatoes by hand? Buddy, that's some work. You ever seen a, you ever seen a machine that harvests potatoes? It just like throws the potato in the truck and they drive off. It's like awesome. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's this conveyor belt, digs them up, rattles them, throws them in the back of a truck, and when the truck is full, they just drive off. It's like, wow, awesome. The harvest is plentiful, but there's no potato trucks. The harvest is plentiful, white with harvest, but there's no labor. Now that's changing. It's changing here. I believe it's changing in the body of Christ. The need was great, but the problem was not with the harvest. was the fact that there wasn't the, the amount of workers that were needed to bring it in. In Genesis 2, and I talked about this uh, in our The Gate and the Well. That's our men's and women's meeting on Saturdays at the barn, our new property there. I talked about this on Saturday morning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Before any plant of the field in the in the earth or before any herb of the field had grown. In other words, there's no plants and there's no herbs and there's nothing. God had planted it all, which is worth preaching on. What did he plant? He planted a seed. Understand that seeds have the power to produce what's in the seed. So good ones. Come on, somebody say amen. So he had planted the garden. He planted the earth, but nothing had come up because it says that there was no man. Now that is fascinating. There's no garden yet because there's no man. Genesis 2 starts in verse 5. You can read that. So you see that God actually needed a man to tend and to keep the garden. And when man was then created, then the garden burst forth. You'll see in Ezekiel uh, chapter 22, so I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall, who would stand in the gap before me, but there was none. I'm telling you that God is looking for a man. God is looking for a woman. God is looking for people. He's looking for people who will say yes. He's looking to commission us. He's chosen you. He's selected you according to John 15. And really, we believe this, that to the degree that we can raise up leaders, we can raise up laborers, is the degree that God will give us a harvest of souls. Let me say that again. To the degree that we can create a combine, a harvesting potato machine, a sickle, God will give us a harvest. If we can't raise up later laborers, we can't raise up leaders, then we will limit the power of God released in our community. Come on, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. This multiplication, this releasing of, of laborers was a result of prayer. Do you know every morning in morning prayer, every morning, yep, nearly, I mean, there might be a morning that we didn't do. It's almost a 99%. We pray for laborers to be raised up. And you know what's happening? We're seeing just that. I will tell you that for us here at KC, we've really been a small church. We're not so small anymore. We had 115 leaders and assistants and hosts in a meeting on Friday night. I've never had a leadership team of 115 people. And how, how many of you were there? Raise your hand high. The 
presence and the power of God came down on us. I had more people tell me they got healed, they got touched, the joy. It was informative, but it was fun. It was amazing. God is raising up laborers. And I believe it's a result of prayer. You look at your notes, Jesus empowers them. He gives them specific instructions. Their task was to prepare with urgency for the towns for a visit from Jesus. And we live in a time in history where the same urgency is upon us. Listen, we are, the, the Lord's return is nearer than when we first believed. You said, is he coming? Oh, he's coming. Is it, is it soon? I think it's soon. Of course, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Live like he's coming any minute. Plan like he's not coming in your lifetime. I've known people say, I'm not, not getting insurance because Jesus is coming back. Well, you know, that's not the wisest thing. Hello. I was going to say that's stupid, but you plan like he's, you live like he's coming at any moment. You plan like he's not coming in your lifetime. Can you say amen? We live in a time when it's urgent. There are people that are hurting and broken and lost and, and destitute, waiting for somebody to bring the good news of Jesus to them. And I am convinced that the same urgency is upon us now, that we have to reach the lost. Listen, I'm going to ask you something. When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? You say, well, I never have. Well, get a part of our evangelism class. Learn how to do that. There is no greater joy than taking somebody by the hand and leading them to the throne and watching their countenance change and darkness leave and, and they, they get saved, they get healed, watching them get touched by God. There's no greater joy. Yet if we were to take a, a, a survey right now, it would be embarrassing and an affront to my own personal leadership and your own personal convictions who've not led people to Christ. And I, I'm just saying, if I could quote an evangelist I once had, if you don't, if you don't witness it, don't share your faith with people, then you probably have a devil on you. If that offends you, it wasn't me that came up with it. I'm just quoting it. All right. He said, what are you talking about? I probably have it. It, it means that you're not in touch with the Lord enough to realize that there really is a real hell and there's a real heaven. And that you actually are God's chosen, appointed, commissioned, if you will, in the earth to bring the good news of Jesus. He said, well, I, I don't want, I know none of us want our feelings hurt. I understand that. And, and I'm feeling convicted right now. I need to up my personal witnessing. But it's important. There's an urgency. I mean, don't, don't take any bag. Don't take a knapsack. You didn't know there were knapsacks back in the first century, did you? Okay, very good. You guys are right? I'll be right back. Jesus, help me. There's lawless, lawlessness out there. Same kind of urgency. Look at two. We're to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God by healing the sick and casting out devils. Listen, that's not some thing that ceased. There still are demon spirits. There is still sickness. And there is the name of Jesus, the power of God, the blood of the Lamb. You can be healed. We had a number of miracles in the first service. We had miracles. on. Uh, we have miracles every time we get together, there's miracles. You say, why is that? It's because the kingdom of God is at hand. Come on, all we are is like mailmen. It's a crime, I believe, to not flow in the amazing authority that God has given us. We've been given tremendous authority. And it's a crime before heaven, before his throne, to not use that. I want to go to another level of flowing in his authority. Is there anybody else besides me? I want to go to another level. 
third thing you'll see about his empowering is that there's a dividing line between God's blessing and judgment. There's a dividing line between God's blessing and judgment. You see, how, God, how people respond to God's servants and the message is a determining factor of their destiny. Let me say that again. How people respond to God's servants and their message is a determining factor of their destiny. What are you talking about? If you look at what Jesus says, Jesus says, if the miracles which had been done in you were done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. Now, let me tie this in. It, it, it's probably a sub-point. Miracles, signs, and wonders are normal Christianity. And the truth is, if there's not power flowing from your life like that, you ought to ask why, not make a theological argument of how it doesn't happen. Don't reason away what God has given us freely in his word. If you're not flowing in power, you don't have the joy of the Lord, then you've got to get after why that is and begin to take a look. I'm going to tell you something. There's a place in God where the burden and the yoke will be destroyed. You can walk in freedom and power. And he's, he's purchased it for you. He's purchased it for me. If the miracles were, that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. In other words, miracles, everybody say miracles. miracles. Healing, miracles, signs and wonders are one of the ways that God brings people to repentance. It's one of the, he gets your attention like, whoa, maybe he is God. So if the church isn't flowing in power like that, how many of you think there'll be a limited harvest? It's true. But the thing that grabs me about this as well is that when there's a rejection of the gospel, the good news, Jesus Christ crucified, rose again from the grave, signs and wonders, when there's a rejection of that, then judgment comes. What? What are you talking about? That's exactly what he's saying. You see, in the hand of God, there's two responses to the gospel. One, you receive it and you receive blessing and destiny in God. Or two, you reject it and you get judgment. That is exactly what the text is saying. If you don't like that, I don't care what sloppy, agape, you know, greasy grace you might have heard. The truth is there is a hell to shun. And the only way to shun it is repent and ask it. All of us need, need to repent. You, you have to... Give your heart to Christ and, and, and live for him. Can you say amen? Well, wasn't that warm and fuzzy? What we're doing is we're proclaiming blessing and peace. But in the same hand, there's judgment. I had somebody ask me, what does that mean, a man of peace? Look, if you, if you have Jesus in your heart and you go to do something for the Lord, you, you're, you're to be a man of peace. I don't know if you've ever come to somebody's house and they're in the middle of a domestic. I have. You know, they, you can hear them fighting as you approach the door. Who is it? It's a pastor. What? Jesus. Oh. And it's like this wrestling and the door opens. Hey, praise the Lord. How are you? It, it, it doesn't matter how they answer the door. It's you can cut it with a knife. There's no peace there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know when you, when you walk into a place, you can feel peace or you, you don't feel peace? One of the reasons that God is pouring out His Spirit here is we have peace. Well, there's, not a lot, there's not a bunch of backbiting. There's not a bunch of division. There's not a bunch of stuff like that. Amen? You, you, I, I commend you for your great love for each other. One of the things that's marking this house is you can feel the love of God when you walk in. 
You can, you can sense it when, you're, when you have a handshake and somebody give you a hug. They used to call us the, the, the church that hugs, the hugging church. <laughs> we will. We will keep doing it. We're going to love people. You've got to love people. A man of peace, when you go to a place and you release your peace, literally when I walk into nearly every house I ever walk into, and now you're going to notice if I ever come to visit you all, but I walk in and say, praise God, bless this house, peace. And you can just feel it, boom, you can just kind of feel it land. I don't know how to describe it. The, the opposite of that is true is if, if there's no peace there, if there's not an openness, it's like you almost feel it return and it's just like, what do you want? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'd be like, what you want, man? Suck. What you want? They had a revelation that was a greater revelation of God and his kingdom. If you look at C. God is standing in their midst. Jesus is God, fully God, fully man. He's standing in their midst, and they're, they're beginning to realize it. They had a revelation of his power, not just working through him, but now working through them. It's a great day when you realize that you're God's ambassador. It's a great day when you realize that God wants to commission you. And that, that religious lie that you're just supposed to be somebody who comes to church but doesn't flow in power, doesn't walk in peace. That's not true. The devil will do his very best to reduce you to just being a religious person. He'll do his very best to keep you from walking in power, from walking in authority, from walking in the joy of the Lord. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. You know, I, I took that literally when I first started preaching. I first started preaching, I was just in the church. I just got saved. And so I, I enjoyed preachers, and, and I thought, I'm going to try that out. I'm going to try preaching out. And so I went on a run in a place called Hana, Hawaii. Some of you know where Hana is. And I ran up towards the cross. It's right out of the center of Hana town. And I come across some cows, and there's nobody there. I'm running with Jesus. And I, I, know, I read, read this scripture out of Mark, preached to all creation. And so there's a bunch of cows. It's a God's honest truth. And I stood there, and I opened in prayer, and I preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, I was turning it loose. Come on now, give your heart to Jesus. I think I might have saw a hoof go up for just a second. I think... Come on, preach to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, verse 17, put it up, Mark. Chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. There it is. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Verse 18, please. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly, anything deadly will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the, they'll lay hands on the, and they will. This is, this is what happens for a believer. 
This is what happens for a believer. If we're going to reach this community, we need the great commissioning to take place. I mean, have you heard of the great commission? Go into all the world, the great commission? Really, for most, it's the great omission. They don't go anywhere. They don't share their faith. And they don't lay hands on anybody. So I just feel so inadequate. I understand. I know how that is. We all feel like Moses sometimes. We're like, I can't speak, and can you give me some help? And, but when, you're, when you begin to grow into who God says that you are, you know, a little later on, he says, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the land. He's talking about identity. Rejoice in your new identity. You come and get a hold of who you really are in God, demons run. They turn heel, and all you'll hear is, I, 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 I. Come on, just, just wave goodbye, right? Wave goodbye to the enemy. He said, look, the prophets who were, and kings who are of old have gone before you. He said they rejoiced to see this and didn't see it. Rejoiced to hear the things that you hear and didn't hear it. I believe that we're in the same time in history. The, the, the prophets who saw this afar off, the fullness of the Gentiles, the outpouring of the Spirit. Look, it could be that we just have a few years left. I don't mean to freak you out or anything. But we stand on the very precipice of the close of all time. Listen, we stand on the very precipice where time could roll up like a scroll and it could be all over. Where are you with God? And are you being used at time, the, the talent, your treasure? Are you being used by the Lord? He wants to commission you. He wants to raise you up. There is a revival that's sweeping our nation. Oh, you hear pockets and you hear about pockets of fire and different things that are happening. The fire is spreading. I believe here God is doing something profound, even greater than our own understanding. And it's going to take all hands on deck. Your prayers and even the saints who've gone before us, those who've labored in this land before us. Your family that's perhaps dead, gone to heaven, looking over the banister of glory, cheering us on. The great cloud of witnesses. It says in Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, by faith we understand that God framed the world. Would you put it up please? Hebrews 11. One, we'll start there. Watch this. The Lord spoke this to me in the first service. Hebrews 11, 1. Quickly, please. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2. For it by the elders obtained a good testimony. Keep going. I'll tell you when to stop. By faith we understand, that's it, that the worlds were framed. Everybody say the worlds were framed. It says world. I thought there's just one world. No, they're, they're worlds. What does that mean? The, the, the Greek is aeon. The, the Greek word for worlds is aeon. And it's not just our planet. It's our planet, the universe, everything the Hubble telescope has seen and everything it hasn't seen, and all the way and beyond, all of creation. But it's more than all of creation. It's all the times. It's all the seasons. 
It's, it's all the outpourings that have taken place. It's Topeka, Kansas. God knew there was going to be a Topeka, Kansas. He knew that there was going to be a, the Toronto blessing. He knew what was going to happen in Pensacola. He knew the times and the seasons of everything. And he, and he fit it together. He, he framed it together. The Greek word is kartotizo. It's the same word that's used in Ephesians about the body being fitly joined together, talking about the body of Christ, but also your hand. Your, your own physical body. I mean, if you look at your hand, the human hand is absolutely miraculous. I mean, they have years of school that you have to go to just to be a hand surgeon. It's very intricate. The tendons and the way that everything works, it's miraculous. God framed our hands. And in the same way that he put everything together with your hand, with your physical body, he took the aeons. Let me, let me, say, let me make it plain. He took all of the times and all of the seasons, the universe and the planets and everything all together to put it together perfectly so that the exact moment at the exact time, at the fullness of time, God sent his son. Right? You know that scripture, right? Well, we are also in a moment of time. God's outside of time. He's in eternity. And he's put things together. He's uniquely designed it for you and I to live right now. This brief moment, this one moment you call life. That we might do something for him. That we might be used of him. There's an outpouring that's heading for America. There's a great release of his power that's heading to Alaska. And he's called you. He wants to commission you. He wants to use you to cast out devils. To heal the sick. To set the captives. Ah! Set the captives free. That's what he wants to do. And I'll tell you that you'll never be satisfied in your walk with God until you're walking in the fullness of what he has for you. And that's for you, not for somebody else. I used to cry out and say, God, can't you make me like T.D. Jakes? And you make me like, can I sing like Pastor Alex? No. It's not my name. That's not who I am. And I've discovered that I'm the, my, my, the best me is me. And all I need to do is just be me. I thank God for a team of people who are being assembled here on staff and all the volunteers, all the things that are happening. It's amazing to me. It's amazing. I believe that we are coming to what I would call the synergy of the ages. There's a synergy. I mean, you know what synergy is. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. That's synergy. A horse pulled, pulled one pulled 7,000 pounds. The winner that year in Canada pulled 8,000 pounds. Yoke them up together. 7,000 plus 8,000 is 15,000. Wrong. They pulled 24,000 if I remember correctly. That's called synergy. And we are coming to the synergy of the ages. I mean, I believe that we are headed for the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God that has ever been seen before. The prayers of the saints that have gone before us, the bowls of heaven are beginning to tip. I believe that. God's speaking to us. Look, let me just say, let us not fail in this moment of visitation. Strike your arrows to the ground. Do something for God. God's speaking to us in two levels. Individually, Jesus desires to use us to destroy the works of the devil. I love that. He wants to use you to destroy the works of the devil. Some people rely on the sovereignty of God just to take care of the devil. But let me just ask you this question. I'm thankful for God's sovereignty, meaning he does what he wants when he wants to, whoever he wants to. That's a good definition of sovereignty. He's God. But why, why would it say, and these signs follow them that believe? You see, you've got to be going somewhere to have something follow. 
they'll cast out devils. How many of you know that devils need to be forcefully evicted? They'll lay hands on the sick. You could stick your hands in your pocket all your blessed life and never see a miracle. You can, if you, if you, come on, if you lay hands on the sick, how many of you know if you never whip your hand out to lay hands on somebody who's sick? You say, well, God's sovereign, are you going to take care of that? No, 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 no. No, no, he saved you, equipped you, filled you full of the Spirit. Why? So that he could use your hands, so that he could use your mouth, so that he could use you. You say, well, I don't see any devils. Well, that's just because you haven't. Well, you know, thank, you ought to thank God that you don't. Let me just say that. <laughs> Let me say you ought to thank God you don't see devils. Because if, if we saw devils, we would be totally freaked out. <laughs> Some of you see things in the spirit, but listen, you just the, the Bible says it's there, good enough, and you don't want to see devils. No. They're the most hideous, nasty, disgusting creatures that are one day going to be thrown in the lake of fire to be over. It's for this reason that Jesus has manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he goes on to say, as the Father has sent me, so I send. You've got to have a desire to be used by God. Look at two. Have a desire to be used by God. There's a desire that burns in some of you, burns in me. To see people free, to see people healed. To see people released into their purpose. We have the great privilege of serving the Lord. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. You might be cleaning carpets or a plumber. You might be a teacher or a businessman, a contractor. You might be in school. It does not matter. You might work up on the slope. You might work in a bank. It doesn't matter what you do. Every one of us have been chosen have been appointed by God, and he wants to commission you. We are the commission. We are the commissioned people that he's chosen. We all see it. We've got to see ourselves as recruiters. See ourselves as recruiters, allowing others to get involved in the work. You know, one of the things I've seen, now, we are in an exponential growth curve. I mean, we, we are growing at a phenomenal rate. In every way, all I, can, all I can say is, whatever we're doing, we just keep doing it. Stay humble, stay broken, keep in prayer, let's believe God. There are, there is just, it's like droves of people coming. Morning prayer, oh my, I'm going to just tell you, morning prayer might, might be the most exciting thing that happens all week. So really? Yeah. Get up a little early, get over to the barn by 7 o'clock, and just come and be a part of that fervor. You ever been in a fervent prayer meeting? This is no boring prayer meeting. It's just exciting. When you're in a, in a, when you're in a church like this that begins to grow, there's a phenomenon that happens, and you have to watch out for it. Don't you guard. I'm not talking to those who are now leading ministries and, and over small groups. Don't you guard your little territory, your thing that you're doing, like that's your thing that you do, and this is what I do, and you can get something else to do. Man, replace yourself. Raise up people. Get out of the way. You know, sometimes we're afraid of calling somebody to say, would you help? Because we want to put them out. Let me, you've got to change that whole perspective. 
You have to realize that when you invite somebody to help you, I'm talking to leaders. You're a leader. Stand up on your feet. You know who you are. Stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Quickly, quickly, quickly. All right, you desire to be a leader. Stand up. Learn to, learn to release people. Be a dream releaser. Invite people to do what you're doing and, and get plugged in. Leaders lead, by the way. If nobody's following you, you ain't leading anything. And so oftentimes we get in this mindset that this is my little kuleana. That's a Hawaiian word. It's my little corner. You go get your own stinking corner because I've had this one for 15 years. And you ain't taking my spot. No, you need to be replaced. So that you could do something else and somebody has to... Come on, put your hands together for these, won't you? You may be seated. Oh, I got to close. Pastor Alex, come. See yourself as a recruiter. Recruit people. Release people into the service of the Lord. Where many are ashamed of doing that because they're going to put somebody out. But here's what you don't... Here's what you forget. When we give people an opportunity to do something for Jesus, they experience the joy of serving God, which cannot be experienced any other way. Well, hallelujah. God's summoning his end-time harvesters. Don't approach things the wrong way. Be a recruiter. Can you say amen? Look for somebody to help you. Four, stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit in our lives. You know, my wife and I and my staff are so blessed. So blessed that there's so many people laboring and getting involved. Be filled with the Spirit. As a church, God speaking to us must thank Him for all He's done and remain humble. It said, Jesus, Jesus said, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you. Names. It's, it's, it's a warning of pride. It's a pride warning. You start thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, then the Lord will just have to help humble you. Anybody, anybody ever just been sent to the divine woodshed? Not fun. It's good for you, though. So if you don't keep yourself humble, then he'll help you. Some of you might need some help. We just stay humble. Stay broken. Stay transparent. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. I need to share this story. It's for somebody, and I'm just going to take three more minutes, and we're done. Five minutes. All right, seven. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Five minutes will be done. In my family, we had, uh, we had a little spat, you know, a little strife the other night. And uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you know what it is to have a little bit of strife. So we were all, it wasn't just, you know, the kids. It was, it was all of us. And, and we realized that, uh, you know, this is not good. And I, I just basically had revival before that, and it's almost like you walk out of that, you know, and it's just like getting punched. So there's all this strife on my house. We're exhausted. Everybody's in their bed. I'm in my bed. My wife's next to me. My kids are across the hall in their two separate rooms. 
And I sat there and I was like, I want to go to sleep. And that scripture, where there's envy and strife, there's every evil thing. I said, not in my house, there isn't. I'm going to, in the spirit, I said this. And so I rolled over and went to sleep. No, I'm kidding. I threw my covers back, walked into the middle of my hallway, began to pray. And I didn't feel any presence of the Lord. I didn't feel any of that. I just prayed in faith, prayed for my daughter, prayed for my son, prayed for my wife, prayed for my marriage, prayed for our home. And then I just began to stand there as the king of my house. That is my castle. I own it. I'm responsible for what happens there. And I began to pray in the spirit. I started feeling this. God started feeling some unction. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I started feeling some authority. And I just, in the spirit, sensed that darkness just pushing back. And I realized, dude, it's not just our flesh here. We're under an attack, actually. And so when I started, you know, we just get stupid sometimes. I know, I do. I do. Sometimes I am a real numbskull. I'm like, oh, it's an attack. Imagine that. They go, oh yeah, we were not against flesh and blood. Have you been arguing for five minutes? Your flesh is raging. And I'm so I'm praying in the spirit, and I realize this is an attack. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I took authority over that thing, proclaimed the peace of God over my house, and it was like a bomb of God, boom, just spread. And, I, and it was like, I could see it push beyond the borders of my property. In the spirit, I just pushed it back. And you're not, you're not, ta- you're not here, you don't stay here. And I continued to pray, and I was almost falling asleep, standing up, exhausted. I mean, totally, you know what I mean? Total exhaustion. I'm praying in tongues. And then I hear, and I, my whole family snoring in harmony. They're just snoring. Everybody's snoring. Not Pastor Karen. She purrs. She's like a, Maybe it's more like a songbird. I sat there and I thought, what would have happened if I didn't get out of bed? Our flesh is so weak and lazy sometimes. Listen, your flesh is bigger than you know. If you don't realize that, try a 40-day fast. You'll see just how big big and raw and ugly it is. We've got to pray. You've got to pray for peace in your house. You've got to contend. And listen, peace is also, also linked to healing. One of the reasons we're seeing miracles, there's great peace here. There's no division. And if it shows up, we will decapitate it. Amen. In the spirit. Got to pray for multiplication. Come on, say pray for multiplication. We're going to pray. We're going to continue to pray for that. This is God's time for the harvest. I want all of my all of my small group leaders to come up. Small group leaders, ministry leaders. You know who you are. You've been trained. We've trained you. We've laid hands on you. You're your small group and leadership team. You're not desiring to be. You actually are. You're in this book right here. Would you please come? 
and just face the congregation. Now let me say this. The text that I read to you and preached to you from, the Lord gave me the text and said as a sign, now we were putting this together, I didn't know how many there were, the Lord spoke to me and said, son, there's going to be 72. It's going to be a sign. So I asked my wife as we were having the, our, our pillow talk time, and you know what I'm talking about. You're like, just, just before you're passing out and just sharing the millions of things that happened in the day as you were ships in the night. We're talking. I said, okay, how many, how many groups we got? Honey? She goes, well, small groups of ministries. Looks like 68. I said, something's wrong. <laughs> the Lord told me 72. I know it's 72. I know it's 72. We went back over it. We reviewed and took a look at it. And it's 72 small groups of ministries. I'm going to just tell you, it is a sign from God. Now, May 72 is going to get doubled. It's going to turn to 144. That's also a good number. Amen. And we're going to continue to grow. And 72 might turn into 73 here or tomorrow. We're just going to continue to see this multiply. This is the means. Now, I want you to get this. How many wave this at me? Where are you at? How many got one of these? Come on, let me see it. Let me see. 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 Okay, we're missing like 50 of them. How many, how many of you don't have one? You do not have. Ushers, would you help us please? All right, let me see. Wave it high. Wave it high. Put it in the air. Put it in the air. All right. Let me read this opening paragraph and we're going to close. He said, is it that important? It is absolutely crucial that you get discipled, that you become big and strong in God. Let me read this to you. It's the opening paragraph. There's a battle in our world over truth. It is of paramount importance that we know truth. The truth is found in God's word in every area for every area of our lives. In the next season, We'll continue to focus on discipleship and training leaders. Discipleship is more than attending church services. And while that's necessary, good, and even commanded by the Lord, we must grow in our personal relationships with Jesus. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus says, The disciple is not greater than the teacher, but everyone when fully trained or disciple will be like his teacher. How many of you want to be like Jesus? That's called discipleship. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be addicted. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in power. You can be healed. Come on, somebody say amen. We have found that being a part of small groups and ministries is the best way of making disciples. There is no greater joy than to see God's people walk in truth and learn how to live as a spirit-filled believer, walking in victory as God intended. I gotta stop and tell you, it's God's plan for you to walk in truth, not depression. It's God's plan for you to walk in victory, power, and authority. That is God's plan. Don't live beneath God's given blood-bought right for your life. Don't live there. Just declare war on everything that robs you of the victorious life in Christ. Deal with it. Tear it down. Renew your mind. I might preach in a second. As we continue to grow in the knowledge of Him, we'll become more like Him and make Him known to our families, our community, and our world. 
It is our sincere hope and prayer that this KC ministry guide will aid you in finding a place to be a disciple and to make a disciple, to grow in the knowledge of God and your relationship with Jesus Christ in his service and yours. Pastor Karen and myself, would you stand up on your feet? Ellison, if you're not able to because of your work schedule and things like that, fine. But I encourage you, I implore with you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf. Get plugged into one of these places. And you say, well, I want this particular ministry. You let me know. If we don't have that, we'll do our best to start it. Just don't be afraid of leading it. Amen. Amen. If we don't have the ministry that you're hoping and believing for, we'll start one. As we pray, God leads us. Will you say yes? Will you do your part in the harvest? Say yes to the clarion call of God. Harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Will you say yes? Will you do your part on the job, in the community? Amen. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Actually, before we do that, let's just pray for this next season. Father, we pray, Lord, for this season to be tremendously fruitful, for there to be a multiplication as never before. Lord, that we would not only continue to be discipled through services, but there would be those who are able to find a place of service and helping with greeters or ushers or choir or getting involved in these small groups and learning how to flow in the Spirit, the Book of Esther, or the Transformations Ministry. God, you would help us to get plugged in and to serve children's ministry, youth ministry, that we would see a historic release of workers because the harvest is plentiful. Make us in, as it says in, to, in Isaiah, I make you into a new sharp threshing instrument. Lord, make us into a new sharp threshing sledge to bring in souls and see them raised up and released in the power of God, walking in dominion, authority, identity, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're not right with God. You need to be reconciled to him. Don't you leave this place. If you know you need to be made right. No one moving around. Nobody talking. Just another 60 seconds and our service is over. If that's you, you need to get right with God. On the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. You're not right with God. And you've never given your heart to him. Or you need to recommit to him. On the count of three, slip your hand up. If that's you, one, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand there. God bless you, son. God bless you over there. I see that hand. Praise God. God bless you. Anybody else? Lift your hand high so I can see it. When you want to be included in this prayer, you want, you want to make heaven your home, lift your hand high. Come on, pray with us all out loud, whether it be an affirmation or you just raised your hand or you didn't and you know you need to be right. Come on, pray with us all right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. And thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill and touch and break every bondage, break every curse. Lord, in Jesus' name, sickness, go. Infirmity, go. 
Depression, go. Anxiety, go. Release your power, God, over this wonderful group of people who you've called and, and even commissioned to do your will in the earth. Lord, thank you for what you've done today. In Jesus' name, take someone by the hand. Let's close this morning. Don't miss tonight. Pastor Barry, Pastor Jane, going to be ministering the word to us. Starts at 6 o'clock. Going to be powerful worship. Invite somebody. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together, won't you? Leaders, hold on one moment. Leaders, would you just head right down that aisle so you can say hi to people. Feel free to meet them. Find out what they're doing. Stop by their table. Get some info. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day and a great week. If we don't see you, praise God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.